And then welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Caleb Sizemore. I am an elder here. And because Mike is actually out of the country in Israel today, uh, I've taken over today. So uh, here we go. I've got a lot to say, a little time to say it. So let's just get into it. For the uh, past three weeks, we've been in a sermon series about friendship. The first week, we talked about developing close friends. Then we talked about how to be a good friend. And last week, we talked about expanding our circles. And today is, is a little different. Uh, today's topic is going to be that friendship is hard work. So we're kind of going to flip the script here. Instead of talking about how to grow our relationships, we're going to have to talk about how to sustain our relationships. Because I don't know about y'all, but I've had plenty of problems in relationships in the past. And some of them will fade. Some of them fall away. We have arguments. We have disagreements. And ultimately, we end up with conflicts, even with our best friends. But today, I want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, obviously, this is not going to be in-depth. Uh, I only have about 30 minutes, so uh, we can't go too far into it. But uh, I want to talk about just some, some points and some uh, different information about uh, how to sustain relationships uh, with, our, our, with our true friends. So the first topic we're going to talk about today is true friends work to resolve conflict. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 41, we hear of a conflict in the early church. Now, this is a conflict between Paul, everybody knows Paul, and uh, Barnabas. Now, Paul and Barnabas did a lot of ministry together. And during all of this, they were fine. They, they planted churches together. They did a ton of different things, working side by side for years. I, I'm not sure exactly how long, but it was a lot of work together. But then here in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 41, we hear that they have a sharp disagreement. So let me read it, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. And had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to uh, Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the church. So even in the early church, and we're talking, these guys are the the giants of the faith. We, we think of Paul and Barnabas, you know, we think of Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of these guys are like, you know, they're the church fathers. They're the ones that started all of this. And we still see conflict within friendships back then, which kind of helps me out because, you know, all of the problems that I've had in my past, it's like, well, at least I'm not the only one. Uh, so it does help a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, with this situation, after they split, we don't get a whole lot of information about the resolution to this story. But we do know that Paul wrote about Mark, uh, th this John Mark uh, that the whole disagreement was about is the guy that wrote the book of Mark, uh, which obviously he's, he's big in the faith. But because Mark separated from them in Pamphylia and left, he was like, you know, I don't trust him. I don't, I don't want to do this. You know, let's, uh, let's not take him. But 
Barnabas was actually John Mark's cousin, so he kind of had a stake there. So uh, he, they ultimately had a really bad disagreement, and it, it fell apart. But uh, later on, we do hear in the book of uh, Colossians, uh, the book of Second Timothy and Philemon, that Paul brings up, he actually mentions Mark. So, and, and, and it's good things, you know, like, you know, call on him. He's a good steward of the word, that type of thing. So we know that there was some kind of resolution there. But, uh, well, uh, one other thing is we actually don't know who is at fault, uh, which is a wonderful way to write in the scripture. We don't actually know who is at fault here. So it's not a blame game, which is important when it comes to friendships. Um, so how do we fix conflict in our own life? When it comes to my relationships, how do I fix the conflict between me and my best friends? Well, first of all, here is a pretty good one. Don't run from it. Don't run from the conflict. All that's going to do is cause more disunity. It's going to cause anger, revenge, rivalry. There's a lot of gossip that starts. I've seen plenty of that when people don't talk things out. Uh, and just ultimately, people become unkind to each other. And so... so Instead of that, instead of running from it, we need to take the initiative. As Christians, we should know this, but we need to take the initiative and go to them. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. There's a few little uh, situations that occur when you have conflict. First of all, your, your, your friend may not even know that they've hurt you. They may not know that they need to come to you and talk to you. On the same side as that, they may be ashamed to come to you. And if you go to them, you can start the conversation. If you don't, who knows what's going to happen. It, it would be terrible to lose one of your best friends just because you're not willing to go to them. Uh, another point uh, and the next two could be flipped. Uh, I think they're better this way, but uh, I'm going to take them this way. But just know that these next two could be flipped. Uh, listen and acknowledge. When you go to them, when you're talking to them, listen to them first. Let them tell their story. In James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, quick to hear, and slow to speak slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce righteousness of God. So be slow to speak, be quick to listen, let the other person talk. You never know, you may have missed something. You may, have, you may find that one little piece of the puzzle that you're missing. You may have upset them at some point, and this is them just lashing back. We don't know, but until you talk about it and let them speak, you're not going to know. After that, tell your side of the story. Now, that's why I say you could flip this. You could tell your side of the story first. I do believe that letting other people speak first will show a little bit of humility. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons that we do this is for respect and humility. But in Proverbs 18, 17, it says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Your friend may think they're perfectly in the right until you tell them your side of the story. And I would ultimately say that in, in most cases, there's a little bit of fault on both sides. But when you talk to them, when you are telling your side of the story, this is not about proving them wrong or teaching them a lesson. 
you got to remember that we're trying to put our relationship back together. We're not trying to force it apart. You know, if you don't show respect and humility, it is easy to tear down a relationship. So go, with it, go into it with respect, with humility, knowing that you could easily have done something wrong to them. Next is probably my least favorite, uh, just because of who I am. I, I just know myself personally, but that is apologize and ask for forgiveness. Uh, this one's tough sometimes. We don't want to apologize. We don't want to ask for forgiveness because it shows humility. It takes us down a notch. You know, we have this higher than, you know, you know holier than thou art type mentality sometimes, and sometimes we need to lose that, and we need to put on humility. So apologize and forgive. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and thir- 12 through 14, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has, complaint ag- has a complaint against you, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive them. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When we forgive, when we ask for forgiveness and apologize, these things do, there's a few things that that can help with. First of all, it will disarm people. You know, imagine going to somebody and saying, will you forgive me? If they've got the, 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 the mindset that they're going to go into a fight and you apologize and ask for forgiveness, it's going to calm the situation down. Another thing uh, with disunity, or <laughs> disunity, uh, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to apologizing, it will de-escalate the situation. You know, everything needs to be calmed down. Be respectful. Be courteous. And uh, last but not least, this is actually a part, uh, this is a point that I, I left in here. I thought, you know, it, it's actually better to do it now before conflict happens, but if conflict happens, you may have to talk to uh, your friends about it. But uh, discuss how to avoid future conflict. I know with one of my best friends, I've been friends with him, I think it's about 20 years now, that me and him do not see eye to eye on a lot of things. We are not politically in the same category. He is not a religious man. Uh, our lifestyles are, you know, worlds apart. Yet me and him get along so well because we understand each other's, each other. We know our problems. We know each other's faults. So when we talk to each other, we don't bring up certain things. Now, of course, in, in my instance, uh, sometimes I'll talk to him about, you know, religious stuff. But I don't do it in a mean manner. So figure out your friends. Figure out what could be a conflict between you before it can even start. And if it's already started, after you resolve it, figure out something to do to keep it from happening in the future. Um, there could also be bigger problems in a friend's life. Uh, we probably all either had a friend or have been around people that have, had, have struggled with some serious problems in their life. And because of that, sometimes we have to do some pretty hard talks with them. And that brings us to our next topic, which is true friends... Share hard truths. Paul was not afraid of this, by the way. If you ever read uh, the book of Corinthians, he was pretty serious when he talked to people. He just kind of blasted them the whole time. Uh, The Corinthians were not doing right, so he just straight up said, listen, you're doing wrong, you need to turn around. 
he had to have those hard truth conversations with them. He also had a situation with Peter. And, and in this story that I'm going to talk about, it, they actually name him Cephas. It's one of those weird things in the Bible. People have different names. You know, we have three names. You know, I'm Caleb Micah Sizemore. Uh, well, he's, you know, Cephas, Peter, Simon, you know, that type of thing. But here they call him Cephas. Uh, but in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, it says, But when Cephas... This is Paul talking, by the way. Uh, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, uh, from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when he came, he drew back and separated himself from, for, for fear of the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how do you force Gentiles to live like Jews? So right here in front of everybody, Paul just straight up says, Listen, you're doing wrong. You need to flip it. Stop. This is hypocritical. You need to stop. See, what Peter had done, he was over here sitting, you know, eating with, you know, regular Gentiles, probably eating non-kosher food. And then when the Jews, these, the, of the circumcision party, you know, that's what they call them, when the other Jews showed up, it, he got scared. He's like, I don't want them to see me eating with the Gentiles. So hypocritically, he got up and he went over and sat with other people. The problem is, this guy, I mean, this is Peter. He's got a lot of people that follow him. So what do they do? A lot of the Jews get up and follow with him. Even Barnabas did. Barnabas is the guy that was with Paul. So one person doing something like this can cause a lot of problems. So what does Paul do? He just says, Peter, we got to talk. Everybody else needs to listen. Stop. Don't be a hypocrite. This is going to hurt you and your followers in the long run. He wasn't afraid. So... When it comes to talking to people about hard truth, this can be a daunting task. I've ended up having to do it myself. I had, on on one hand, I had a friend that he was doing wrong things. It was, I'd I'd had enough. It was time to talk to him. I talked to him, and I gained him as a friend. He ended up, he's one of my best friends. He is a longtime friend. This is a different one, by the way, from the first one. But then one of my other best friends, I went to him. I tried to be respectful and very reasonable, I brought up a, a really serious issue. Haven't talked to him since. So we can easily lose our friends through these kind of conversations. So they're serious. But because we have the authority to do this and because we need to do this, we need to go to the people that we love and talk to them about these harder things. I mean, what if somebody's you know, hurting themselves, killing themselves with drugs or alcohol? What if they're you know, cheating on their spouse or something like that, something that can be devastating, they need to be told. And if, if you are a friend to them, you need to be the one to step up. So there are some what I call the is's and is-nots to hard truth. Uh, let's, let's go through the, hard tr- uh, the, the is-nots first. So hard truth is not about your personal preference. Don't bring your personal preference into it. This is about the other person. So when you're talking to them, keep it on them. 
talk to them about what they are doing. Don't be like, you should do this because I want you to. You know, that's kind of the flavor there. Um, hard truth is not about solving your problems. If their problem is your problem, don't worry about your side of it. Focus on their side. Their problem is the one that you need to be trying to solve. Another one, hard truth is not done out of punishment and revenge. We don't need to punish people. We need to be loving to them. These are our friends. These are our best friends. These are the people that we are closest to. These are the ones that we know a lot about. We don't want to push them away. We don't want to try to punish them. We don't want to definitely know revenge. I mean, if you've got revenge in your heart, you need to step away from the situation altogether. And last but not least, hard truth is not about manipulation or control. We are not trying to manipulate them. Manipulation is actually more of an oxymoron if you think about it because usually manipulation is some kind of a lie that you are trying to spin to get somebody to change their mind. Well, we're talking about hard truth, so manipulation is not something that we should go into it with. And control, if somebody's going to do something, they're going to do it. We can try to convince them to stay away from it, but at the end of the day, we can't control them. So we can't go, with it, go into it with a mindset of, I'm going to control this person. So what do we do? Well, hard truth is rooted in truth. That's kind of obvious, but so many people want to be ignorant to the truth. They want to run from the truth. They don't want to believe that what they are doing is wrong. A lot of people don't like to be told that they're sinning. But we have to run at We have to go to them with the truth and... It's got to be what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Hard truth is full of humility. A good way to put this is that hard truth is given with the understanding that you could just as easily be in the same situation as they How many times do we find that we need to talk to somebody about something, but we look at ourselves and go, you know, I'm no better. I find myself doing that all the time. I want to talk to somebody about something, but then I'm realizing, like, Man, I need to clean myself up first. So, going into a situation, understand you need to go into it with humility, knowing that you are no better than them, that they are no better than you. You need to be respectful and reasonable in that way. Hard truth, finally, is driven by love. There's a man by the name of Warren Wearsby that said, a, a coined a, a good phrase that I like to use. He said, truth without love is brutal. And love without truth is hypocrisy. So when it comes to telling people the truth, we need to be loving about it. I always, uh, when, when I read this, my, my mind first went to these uh, sitcoms or these uh, uh, live action shows, like the Big Brother show, uh, Big Brother's House or whatever it is, or, uh, you know, uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette, these, these I hate the shows. I, they're, gosh, I'm, they're so bad. Uh, they're so cringeworthy. I, my wife's watched them before. It's just like, come on, please, please no. I have to zone out. But in those shows, I always hear, you know, people lashing out at each other. And, and what they're saying may be true, but it's done out of such hatred. They're, they're so against each other. And when we talk to our friends about anything, we need to keep love in our hearts. We need to keep this passion to fix them with love. So, uh, and, and then the last part of it, the, the love without truth is hypocrisy. If you love your friends, 
if you truly love them, you're going to be honest. I mean, honestly, I would rather lose a friend and try to convince them to stay out of a bad thing they're doing than to keep a friend and watch them tear their life apart. So, if we are willing to share hard truth with friends, uh, we should also be willing to forgive them as well. And that brings us to our next topic is friendship, sorry, true friends forgive. In my own life, uh, I've had to forgive a lot of people. I've had to be forgiven. Uh, this is a normal, normal situation. Uh, usually it's not too big of a deal, but sometimes it is. But I have found myself with this. And, and to, to let you know, a lot of this stuff was kind of convicting to me, and that's why I kept it in here. Um, this one is tough for me. You know, just giving people, you know, true friends forgive. It's hard to forgive people sometimes because we get bitter. We get angry. We have this pride thing that kind of wells up in, inside of us. We kind of find ourselves being the victim. And in today's time, that victim mentality is growing. A lot of people like to be a victim. You know, oh, how dare them do that to me? We have to swallow our pride. We have to get out of this victim mentality. We have to get away from our bitterness and our anger. These are our best friends. We need to try to, you know, pull ourselves back together. So forgiveness we need to follow, uh, when it comes to forgiveness, we need to follow the best example for forgiveness that we can find. And the best one that I could find is Jesus. I, I tell you, it's really hard to pick anybody else when you, you know that Jesus forgave, people, <laughs> Jesus forgave people while he was dying on a cross. The very people that hung him on a cross, he was calling out to God, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we need to be like Jesus. He is a great example for us to strive for. This is a couple of things that he said. In Matthew chapter 18, verse uh, 21 through 22, he says, or Peter asked a question. It says, then Peter came to him and said, uh, Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will my, brother be, uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. The whole point here is not because, okay, after 77 times you stop. It's kind of a just forgive. I'd, I'd actually read something that the old Jewish tradition just before this was forgive people about three times. You know, give about, about three times. So when Peter says seven times, I mean, this is over double what the, uh, what the Jews believed. So he's like, I mean, should I, should I really do this seven times? And Jesus is like, no, 77 times. It's like, just forgive. These are your friends. These are your brothers. These are your family. Forgive them. In Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. He calls us, he tells us, you must forgive. It's not a suggestion. It's, a, it's not a, well, I mean, if you feel like it today. He's telling us, forgive. We need to be ready to forgive. This is another one. Always have it in your mind. Yeah, understand, your friends are going to disappoint you. They're going to fail you. 
I've failed my friends plenty. You've probably failed yours. They failed you. Understand that. Know that they're going to do something that you don't like. But always be ready and willing to forgive them. And uh, last but not least, we need to forgive those who we love. In John chapter 13, verse uh, 34, it says, A new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. As Christians, we are called to love. Not just our family, not just our friends, but everyone. We should try to find friends in everyone. So forgive. Forgive our friends. Forgive people around us. Show love towards everybody. And to be honest, we should be excited about being, you know, forgiving our friends. This is something that we should be excited to do because, first of all, you just gained a friend back if you forgive them. It will mend what is broken and set right what is wrong. I mean, how sweet is it when you forgive where the rest of the world will scorn? Final topic for today. Confession, repentance, and reconciliation are necessary for true friendship. Whether it comes from you or directed towards you, all of these things are necessary to mend our friendships. We need to be willing to talk about the things that we've done against our friends. We need to work on not repeating the things that we've done. And we need to ask for forgiveness. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, we need to confess to our friends. We need to go to them. It, it's imperative to keep our relationships together. Something else, we can't force our friends to repent. As bad as we may want them to repent, we cannot force them to. But we can repent ourselves. And perhaps through our repentance, we can be an example to them. In 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to, uh, is not slow to, to, for, to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We need to repent. We need to turn away from the bad things that we do in our lives completely, whether it's towards our friends, towards our family, towards other people, towards ourselves. We need to repent. This life is short. We don't have a ton of time. Why spend it with hate and anger towards your friends? Why don't we spend it building our friendships back up? It's terrible to have anger and hate in our hearts. Reconcile with your friends. Reconcile with your family and the people that you claim to love. And final point as the uh, band comes up, the pattern we have for being reconciled with our friends is the same as what is given to us to be reconciled to God. When we confess and repent of our sins, of the things that we have done wrong towards God, he is more than willing and ready to forgive us of a lifetime of unrighteousness, of sin. And if you haven't done that this morning, it would be, man, it's such a blessing to be able to reconcile with God. I would love to talk to y'all, anybody that's uh, struggling either with friends or with your relationship with God. Uh, there's a few of us elders here. We'd be more than willing to talk to you. We'd love to.
Having said that, I'm going to pray, and, and then we'll get back to worship. Lord, thank you for the friendships you've given us. Thank you for the joy that we get out of relationships, Lord. And I pray that the, if there is anybody in here that's struggling through a friendship right now, that you would bless them, that you would give them the ability to go and talk to them and, and mend what is broken, put right what has been wronged. Lord, I love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.